So uh, we've been looking at different people, really different personalities that swirl around the final week of Jesus' life. And uh, tonight we're looking at Caiaphas, the high priest. Um, Caiaphas is kind of different from the others. I mean, if you think about the other people that we've talked about, um, they're kind of a, a mixed bag. Like, Peter, yeah, he got scared and denied that he knew Jesus a few times. Um, but Jesus also restored him. And really, the instant that he realized that he had done what he did, he, he breaks down. Judas, as we said, whatever his motivation was, which um, all we have are kind of weak theories, but we assume that he had some kind of motivation. Um, even though he did betray Jesus and effectively get him killed, um, things didn't work out like he had planned. He came to deeply regret that moment or that, that decision. Um, in other words, Judas is a complicated character. Uh, the woman who anoints Jesus uh, is actually also different from all the rest because there's no sense of villainy there, right? She doesn't, she doesn't do anything wrong. <laughs> um, looking ahead to next week, we will look at Pontius Pilate. And we'll see that uh, even though he is his own kind of villain, he was effectively manipulated to execute Jesus. He's the only one with the power to do so. And they, he was backed into a corner politically. Um, not that he's innocent as much as he might like to think he is. Um, but he's complicated. Caiaphas, though, is different. Caiaphas is scum. He was, he was special. <laughs> um, he was the high priest for that year. He, um, uh, it was actually his father-in-law, Annas, who kind of pulled the strings. Um, he was the one who was able to effectively determine who was going to be high priest each year um, for at least a decade, if not longer, kind of the, the 20s in the first century. Um, Caiaphas is um, he's wealthy, extremely wealthy. We actually have found his bone box, his ossuary, and you can just tell by how ornate it is that this was a man of incredible means. But like I said um, at some point, a couple weeks ago maybe, the office of the high priest was a political office. The Greeks figured this out, the Romans perfected it, which is pretty common, that whoever controls who gets to be the high priest has a lot more control over the Jewish people. And so if you make it to that, it's not because you were a really good priest working your way up the ranks. It's because you knew how to flex money and influence and you were politically uh, capable, shall we say. Um, so Jesus comes uh, to town. He overturns uh, the 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 exchange tables at the temple, which is not really because Jesus was mad about the exchange rate. 
Um, it was an act, it was a prophetic act. It, it was um, more of a metaphor. Because we know, actually, through other historical documents, that the temple was thoroughly financially corrupt, with the upper echelon uh, making ridiculous amounts of money. And Jesus' action seems to have been um, kind of a wake-up call, like a prophet enacting something and saying, look, your time is up. This is what God thinks of what you have done. Now, as you might imagine, um, this did not endear him to the chief priest and his lackeys, but the people loved him. Um, as it turns out, Caiaphas, um, in another gospel, in the gospel of John, um, when he was confronted with the reality of Jesus, I got to pull my phone out because I, I don't have like, didn't have my paper copy of my Bible. Uh, this, after Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead, a pretty clear sign that you are capable of something special. I think we can all agree that if you raise somebody from the dead, you had something special going on. Um, so Jesus does this. And this is not the first time he's performed a miracle. In fact, he has a reputation for it. And it whips some of those upper echelon of, of uh, Jerusalem leadership into a frenzy. And in the book of John, chapter 11, it says that the chief priests... And, some of, and the Pharisees, it would have been some of them, not all of them, gathered the council and said, what are we to do for this man performs many signs? If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him and the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. Now, what's going on there? Um, they recognize the power that Jesus has and the obvious possibility here is he may be the one who we've been waiting for. And the reason why this freaks the chief priests out so much is, is that they realize very quickly that if Jesus is in fact who he says he is, the chief priests, including the high priest, Caiaphas, will lose everything. The way that Jesus talks, the way that he is hinting at reforms, the way his, his, his depiction and the way he enacts the kingdom of God will mean they lose their power. Now, I don't know about you, but I have noticed that people, when they gain power, aren't typically keen on losing that power. Politicians don't like to lose elections. Kings don't like to be beheaded when the you know, people rise up, and so on. But even more down to earth, people who have enjoyed within, say, communities or families, a certain amount of influence, their word matters, their opinion goes a little further. When the attention gets drawn to somebody else, it's hard. It's really hard. And it'll say a lot about that person, how they react to that. Um, so, this Jerusalem leadership first says, hold on, if Jesus 
is who who, who he may be, and the people are starting to talk, we're going to lose. And then, if you notice, they said, and if the people start following this guy, the Romans are going to come in and they're going to take it all away. That's a really nice, almost poetic way of saying they're going to come and kill all of us. And in fact, that does happen. It began in the year 66. Uh, Jesus saw it coming. So it happened in spite of their best efforts. So with that in mind, you have the, the Jerusalem leadership, high-ranking. They are extremely worried about this teacher from Galilee who can do some crazy things like raising people from the dead. They recognize that his way of following God is going to mean lights out for them. So this is what John has to say in verse 49. He says, But one of them, Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, said to them, You know nothing at all, nor do you understand that it is better for you that one man should die for the people, not that the whole nation should perish. He did not say this of his own accord, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation, and not for the nation only, but also to gather into one the children of God who are scattered abroad. Okay, this gives us a nice little window into Caiaphas. Um, <clears throat> he recognizes the political danger that, that he and his, his buddies are in. And so for him, the most natural thing would be to get this guy killed. Because if he dies, we get to continue living fat and happy. That's pretty dark. If you're willing to sacrifice somebody who didn't do anything wrong so that you can maintain your influence, power, wealth, and so on and so forth, pretty evil. Like I said, everyone else kind of has some redeeming quality of the people we've looked at. Caiaphas does not. Not only that, we gather from the uh, reading in Matthew that Caiaphas was actively looking for people who could get their story straight and falsely accuse Jesus. Also, pretty dark. Um, Question. How do you react when people don't do things the way they should? I'll make this very personal. I was in California last week. I can tell you how I react when people drive like idiots. (laughs) When there was a a 17-minute slowdown for no reason. Now, on the surface, I was very cool and calm. Inside, I, a poor, miserable sinner. (laughs) It doesn't mean I was wrong. Um, That's a joke, by the way. if, If it says a lot about somebody who had power and influence and sees that slowly drift away, 
It also says a lot about us when we encounter people who are not doing things the way we think they should. Friends or family members making life decisions that we think are not wise. Communities go making political decisions, organizational decisions, or whatever that we disagree with. People living in ways that we don't like. People consuming media that we don't agree with. Um, in some weird way, that tends to bother us. And the question is, why? And I think the answer goes very deep into the heart of human beings in that Caiaphas and us are not so different. Now, I will be the first to say, I have never manipulated the situation so that somebody lost their life so that I could keep my job or something like that. I have never done that. But there have been plenty of other times where um, my own standing, my own safety, my own sense of well-being was threatened, and I didn't respond well. It's the same thing. I, I can only really ultimately speak for myself, but I'm willing to bet I'm not the only one in the room who might feel that. Because as much as we want to demonize Caiaphas, and to be perfectly honest, as much as he really truly does deserve it, and he does, so do I. That that same weird impulse to control or to gossip or to put people in their place or to try and maneuver myself so that I don't lose any power or authority that, so that my opinion continues to carry weight or, or, or whatever or, or the way I react when other people are doing things. I just don't think you should do it like that. Like all of that speaks to the same kind of brokenness. And boy, that can get dark. So we have that on the one hand. The other hand, with Caiaphas, there's also a very um, a deep level of irony. And John just flat out tells us this irony. Because he also gives one of the clearest, simplest um, phrasings or explanations of the gospel that we find in the entire Bible. One man dies so that a nation can live. Yikes. Caiaphas, like the, the scummy one. <laughs> At the same time, also from his mouth comes this, this wild declaration an explanation of, of what Jesus is actually accomplishing when he dies. He is dying so that you are saved. And I think when you kind of swirl this, this around together in some, I don't know, either concrete or abstract way, um, you can kind of see the wisdom of what Jesus is really doing by fulfilling what the Father has given him to do. That Jesus is dying for Caiaphas as much as he is dying for Peter and Paul and you and me. 
And if Jesus is willing to die, even for Caiaphas, the one who gets him killed, then it highlights this reality that the gospel is not about taking something that's good already within me and making it better. It's not about chasing away all the dark little shadowy spots in my own heart. Um, it's not about self-improvement or self-actualization. It's, it's, it's about God entering into our reality and grabbing me for his own sake, for saving you for his own sake, not because of any inherent worth or anything like that, because in all reality, there isn't any as far as God is concerned. And so if God can redeem the story of Caiaphas, even if Caiaphas himself is not redeemed, then he can redeem us too. For all of the ways that we play the little games that Caiaphas did better than probably everybody you've ever met. Because the story is about God saving sinners not sinners working their way to God. Amen.